0: I'm Spencer. This is the Lasso Lowdown. We give you the lowdown on all things Ted Lasso. This is the Mango Talks podcast, where we review the Apple Plus TV series, Ted Lasso. We go episode by episode, cranking through season one right now, Spencer. We are getting into the midway point, the meat of the season. We are at episode four, titled For the Children. Before we kick off, what are your initial thoughts of this episode?
1: You know, it's getting kind of boring to say that every episode is the best episode yet, but for this show, it's true. They just keep getting better, and this episode holds to that. It's got some really great moments. It's got some great character points. It's a fun episode. I don't think it has anyone quite as memorable as Trent Krim was last time, but the overall package, it's just better and better each time we watch.
0: It's a very good episode, but I'll tell you they did something here that's a trope, but I don't mean that in a negative way. The hand up, this is a trope that I want everyone running a sitcom to ever do, and that is establish a cast make me like the show and then put them in a party for an episode
1: (laughs) yes it's it is a common and effective trope
0: it works every time just like seinfeld take the characters put them in a party the office how many office parties were there ted lasso boom they're at a gala let's go so they they did that and you get to see by doing that you switch it up, you change the scenery. They're dressed in different stuff. They're doing different. A lot of drinking usually, mm-hmm. and you get to see decided sides of characters that you normally wouldn't see. And I'll give you like an example here, just as we're, as we're we're talking about this. I think you get a side of Roy that you don't see.
1: I um, think you definitely get a side of Roy, and see. you
0: probably wouldn't see if you didn't put him in this setting.
1: And i also say, too, I think we get to see a side of Rebecca that we haven't gotten to see before, particularly oh, by the end yeah. of this episode as well. Oh, 100%.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about all that and more here on the Lasso Lowdown. If you've joined us before, you know that our segments, we, we have a lot of segments. We start with uh, Tea Time with Lee. I will uh, try to show you that tea is better than what tad lasso says so i usually pick out a tea. <laughs> Best every of single luck. episode to try to sell our audience on that then we have biscuits with the boss spencer always brings a a nice sweet treat for everybody is that a cannoli i see today that is a cannoli that i wow spencer right the cannoli <laughs> i'm prepared. getting classy oh my god that is big uh, i'm gonna enjoy this to, we cut to a recap with spencer that's right spencer leads the recap then we do a sports center top 10 Uh, train wreck of the episode and we wrap up with Ted's life lessons of the episode where we try to leave you with a good taste in your mouth just like this show does so perfectly week after week okay before we jump into the recap which Spencer will lead uh, just a few uh, programming notes here on the Mangum Talks podcast channel please check out our other podcast. We have a new podcast. It is a podcast where if you like hearing me and Spencer talk, if you you, know, you like Ted Lasso, but you also like hearing us gab, uh, we pick up two other fellas, we put them in a podcast, we call it Mangum Talks, and we talk about all kinds of things, shared experiences, all kinds of whatever. We also have another podcast with the four of us called Mangum Watches. And You can check all of those out on any podcast platform that you uh, that you'd subscribe to. And if you are enjoying this podcast or any other Mangum Talks podcast, please subscribe rate and review uh we love to see the ratings we love to see the comments and if you have a long form comment for us that you want to go directly to us you can do that too go to magnetpox.com upper right hand corner click contact us fill out the form click submit i will read it uh i will curate it spencer might hear about it and if it's really good or really interesting we might talk about it on air so yeah that's all the stuff that we love thank you for for listening we really enjoyed doing this so With all of that said, Spencer, I think it's time for you to do the recap episode four for the children.
1: Before we get into the recap, just a last thing. As you said, we love to leave our audience with a good taste in their mouths. We also like them to start with a good taste in their mouths. And for that, please tell us, what is our hope for Ted Lasso and enjoying tea in the future? What is your new idea for this week?
0: Oh, okay. Spencer wants to do the, the tea and the biscuits with the boss for the recap. We will start with tea then. I am having try to get a nice pour for the for the hey, microphone there i am doing another tea um this is a variation not a variation it's another tea in this the same line of teas from the same company um from the first time i did this segment which was i think episode two this is tailors of Harrogate, so that's the that's the brand and this is their um their brand that I think is maybe a little bit more—I guess you could call it upscales, loose leaf tea. So it's not in individual Ooh. bags. You got to have a, a teapot that will allow for loose leaf tea. And this is English breakfast leaf tea. They I'm all it, about they, that. They bill it as a fully satisfied, uh, fully flavored, and deeply satisfying black tea. And I will tell you, I've got my little teapot here, and I have um, probably poured way, way too many loose leaf tea uh, teas and. Uh, um, Uh, loose leaf tea into this because this has come out nice and dark. So I am going to be fully caffeinated for the rest of the night.
1: (laughs) Do you think that even Ted Lasso might enjoy this tea or is this just more dirty brown water for him? Okay. I might've made it a little strong.
0: Okay. So if you're (laughs) (laughs) okay, too much. So if you're getting Taylor's of Harrogate, uh, English breakfast, leaf tea, Take it easy on the amount of tea. That's a that's a reference, a yeah, uh, little, little little bit of uh, guidance here from Lisa. That's uh, yeah, it's a very strong tea for sure, but it's good, but very strong. What do you have, Spencer?
1: While you enjoy your tea, for me, I have a just gigantic cannoli here that I'm going to quite enjoy as I nibble through during, my, of course, my recap whenever I get whenever I turn it over to you. All
0: right. So, folks who don't know what a cannoli is, cannoli. Uh, it's, Go ahead. It's,
1: it's what you take out of the car after you shoot somebody and leave the gun behind.
0: Yeah, you always have to take the cannoli. That's a that's for sure. It's a. So I believe it's like a pastry that is wrapped and then filled with some sort of cream.
1: Yeah, picture a a pig in a blanket, but instead use a pastry instead of a pancake and stuff it full of cream.
0: That's about the most Spencer explanation of a cannoli we possibly could have. And I'm pretty sure it just cleared it up for everybody. I'm here for you. (laughs) All right. Well, while I um, get completely jacked on this super strong tea, (laughs) do you want to kick us off on the recap?
1: I will. We start off at a rough point, maybe the roughest point of the episode of where the team is 2-0 in their second game under Ted Lasso's or yeah, second game under Ted Lasso's command and it's going into the half even. It's not great. We hear the boos of the fans echoing throughout the stadium. The team is at a low point. While they're going back in the locker room, Sam makes an effort to go up to Jamie to apologize. Apparently, he did a cross that didn't work out too well. And Jamie, rather than accepting this apology or offering words of wisdom, instead takes the opportunity to basically insult Sam's parents in relatively cruel fashion. Notably, Roy overhears this and, showing up a little bit of character progression already over the course of the season, immediately steps in to intervene.
0: So, immediately bas- uh, mm-hmm. I do want to point out one quick thing is that Roy storms in and yells, 2-0, we're better than that. yeah. Sam, apologizes to Jamie. Jamie has this convoluted, terrible, not even funny joke about how his mom should have screwed Maradona or something. And I just wanted to point, like, it takes 10 seconds into this episode for them to show the difference in leadership between these two. Because Roy basically, as much as Roy possibly can do it, is giving them a bit of a pep talk. I mean, he does say we're better than that, guys. Come on, we can do better than this.
1: He's trying to get the energy up. He's trying to get them at a base of... Essentially, Roy runs on anger. As we start to find out in later episodes, it's kind For of his sure. superpower. That
0: <laughs> is about the truest thing anybody's ever said about Roy. Runs on anger. He,
1: he <laughs> is the Hulk in terms of his play style. What motivates him, and he's very trying good. to get the rest of the team in on the same medicine.
0: Yeah, that's very good. Roy runs on anger.
1: Uh, so Roy intervenes, and Jamie just, just meanly insulting Sam calls him a prick, a fight's about to break out, and Ted and Beard intervene to express that there are no fight clubs allowed in the locker room, particularly while they got a second half to play. And things start to calm down before Jamie again just throws gas on the fire because he can. And what essentially is a full-on brawl starts to result in the locker room as we cut to the opening credits. Coach, Ooh. tell the first rule of my fight club. No fight club. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a really good rule for a fight club, particularly a fight club you don't want to have. Mm-hmm. Things are clearly not looking great for the team going in, going through Game Two.
0: Um, Pitiful yeah. display of fighting there, I gotta say. And it you know it really reminds me of when I see actual athletes fight, um, because you see these guys, I mean, just toned, chiseled. Mm-hmm top of their sport best in the world at what they do athletically and then they start to fight and they look like 12 year olds like it's pathetic watching athletes fight and they they surely they they played into that here because these two are not putting up very good uh punches did did you see
1: what basically their fight was they they actually their
0: forehead together
1: yeah it was like two rams going at each other trying to push each other off a cliff
0: ridiculous
1: (laughs) i guess that's how soccer players fight i've got no frame of reference to know otherwise
0: i can tell you basketball players can't fight worth a darn
1: I've seen that one on video. I've seen them try to fight fans in the stands, and it was pretty pathetic, too. Terrible. Um, we cut to Rebecca and Higgins trying to work out table arrangements for the gala, the main focus of this episode. Woo! A charity event that she and her now ex-husband have been apparently running for years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The main things we get out of this, get out of this as they're trying to set the table arrangements is that Rebecca doesn't particularly enjoy most of the people that come to this event, it seems. Nope. She's arranged these tables for with varying levels of disdain. We hear her literally say at one point that a woman who got kicked by a horse that cannot attend. Rebecca's mostly concerned for whether the horse is okay after touching her.
0: Oh, poor thing. Is the horse okay?
1: Yeah. While they're working out that, happening at the same time, we see the team at training. I'm gonna, I am have every mental impulse to call it practice every time. But I'm going to get it right. Nice work. Uh, Ted and Beard are discussing the fact the team is deeply divided through West Side Story imagery. I love these guys so much sharks and jets thank you for the snaps interestingly enough nate is right on point for this metaphor he loves it because apparently he nate previously played a um understudy in an all boys school production of this play playing understudy for a female character
0: anita understudy to anita. anita pin in that might be a sports center top 10
1: <laughs> good call uh Ted is just thoroughly abused by this as they peel more layers from the Nathan onion. And while the two of them are having a nice little fun bonding moment, Rebecca just kind of opens the window <laughs> and just bellows at them.
0: This is, this is, um, I'm having a bad day, Rebecca. I'm not enjoying this, but it also is a touch of, I've got a few money. So this is just kind of how I operate. Sometimes I just, like, scream at people, like, across the lawn. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> it's a thing only, like, a really entitled person would do, I think.
1: Yeah. I'm not a person that would think if I scream from a three-story window, anyone's going to do anything other than call the police. Rebecca, on the other hand, if she screams from a three-story window, everyone's eyes are immediately riveted on her. She has that power and authority.
0: I also want to give me a little bit of credit here. I'm reading my notes. Here's what my notes say. Rebecca yells down to the pitch. <laughs> Shout out to me for picking up mm-hmm. British words.
1: Learning words We're so, so proud
0: of us Old dogs new tricks uh,
1: She's She's basically yelling out That for one Beard cannot mark Both chicken and steak Which is totally something I know many of my friends Would do
0: 100% Yeah And by the way As somebody who planned Helped, helped plan a wedding uh, That is a really Frustrating thing And I, she is very nice <laughs> To have even asked him Because I'll tell you what I do um, If somebody I send it out Right I get it back mm-hmm. Somebody marks Chicken and Handsteak? steak they're getting fish
1: <laughs> they've,
0: they've lost both
1: options they're it's like getting negative numbers canceling <laughs> each other out exactly um uh, to, yeah uh meanwhile ted needs to specify who his date is because he working under the assumption one working under the assumption that he'd be taking beard with him however beard unbeknownst to ted is bringing a date beard here's got a game So, Ted rapidly says that Nate will be his date instead, who Rebecca still does not know who he is, and will not over the course of this episode, despite meeting him at least twice more. Can I give you
0: my favorite quote of the episode? Please. Nate the Great, it's going to be my date. For obvious reasons, we'd like to be at Table (laughs) 8. I I don't know why that made me laugh so much. It's so funny. I think it's it's the four obvious reasons that really really got me.
1: (laughs) I have a joke that I need to set up for everyone right now. Um... From that scene, we got to Ted and Rebecca actually talking. Rebecca is trying on dresses. She has a lovely collection. Ted is asking him as he goes in at first that, hey, you know, I kind of need Roy and Jamie to be at the table with me at table eight. For reasons, Rebecca does not care. But she agrees. She agrees. Yeah. Could not really care less, though. Right. She's picking out a dress. She has one particularly black dress in mind that she clearly wants to wear, but isn't feeling the confidence level to do it. Ted kind of tries to push her over, though, saying that, you know, look, you look great on it, you'd, you'd look great on it. it look great on you. Uh, and that fashion's all about confidence, revealing a story about him apparently wearing pajamas to prom and spending all night in jail.
0: Gotta hear that story. What? Yeah. Come Rebecca, on.
1: please stop interrupting these stories. I Holy want to hear crap. more.
0: He wore pajamas to prom and ended up in jail? I would like to point out that Rebecca says, I can't get away with it anymore. So it's a very yeah. particular type of, like, um self-doubt right and it's around her aging
1: and as we see later it's a self-doubt that rupert has been nourishing for years
0: in terms of how he likes to put people. i am not a rupert fan i know it's a hot take dude
1: justify yourself how can you say such a thing that is just utterly opposed to so much of the fandom
0: what a shit that guy is
1: (sighs) i mean apparently apparently the gala was always kind of her and rupert's event And so she's clearly nervous that she's running it solo, but is representing confidence about it. That it was mostly me that was always running things, it'll be fine. She has just enough time to say this before Higgins walks in and reveals that the musical guest canceled. And if you wanted further evidence that Rebecca is really wealthy and powerful, their musical guest was Robbie Williams. Who? Uh, One of the most popular and successful performing artists and frontmen in British history particularly over the last, say 20 years.
0: Hmm. Big Never dude heard in the of
1: him. You will hear, you hear one of his songs at the end of this episode. Have you heard of him actually, or are you just making fun?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i in part channeling Ted, but it's, it's closer to true than maybe, uh, I, I'm comfortable <laughs> with.
1: For, for those that aren't familiar, a song of his and Kylie Minogue's plays at the end of the episode. So you can listen to it there. Who? Great song. Kylie, who? Should just stop, <laughs> please. <laughs> uh, Higgins is immediately tasked with finding someone better, to which apparently he is a world-class problem solver now. Uh, at this point in watching this episode for the first time, what was your bet on his odds of actually finding anyone?
0: Oh, I'm a world-class problem solver. Yeah. Um, so it seems to me that Higgins will be presented with a problem. And he's very much the, yes, I can do that mm-hmm. without... With a with a sort of, like, I'll just figure it out later. He's a will figure it out later type of guy. Yeah. Um. And it runs him in a lot of trouble.
1: He clearly has absolutely no plan. He has no frame of reference for how to even start doing this. But sure, yeah, I've received a mission. Clearly, I can do it.
0: Did you see Ted giving him some motivation as he left?
1: Yeah, Ted was directly trying to bulk him up. To, you know, do the same Roy treatment. Get him up. Get
0: him ready to go for this. You got this, Higgins. And Rebecca was thankful for all your hard work. <laughs> Ted, he always always is trying to encourage people. Did you see that when Uh, he said in Rebecca's thankful for all your hard work, like Rebecca shot him a look like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Don't speak for me on this. That's funny. We did not
1: vet that statement. Um,
0: Meanwhile, Keely
1: is trying to encourage Jamie to embrace a very different side of himself, particularly high fashion. She has put this man in a suit, a very handsome, well-fitting suit. Tight. It looks good on him. Tight in the bottom. Tight. Very tight, yes. Uh, Jamie's opinions of this, though, are not as positive. Did you know what he actually... What were the specific reasons he did not like his suit?
0: Looks like a waiter.
1: Uh, Looks like a banker.
0: There you go, banker, there you go. Uh,
1: But his specific reasons were it doesn't have a hoodie, and it doesn't have graffiti. This punk-ass kid. He's the worst. Uh, he, He says he looks like a banker with a great cock, to which... Keely humorously says, "Well, if they, they exist, that I wouldn't be with you."
0: <laughs> Keely's funny. She's Keely's really funny.
1: She's really trying to encourage them though that this is an opportunity for you to craft your own brand. This is the opportunity for you to make money beyond just simply being a football player. Jamie's not interested in that. No. Nope. His idea of a his idea of a brand is he takes off everything other than the suit jacket and just goes naked top suit jacket and says that's his look.
0: He's good at this fashion shit, you know, people don't know it You know, he's a progeny
1: That That is the word that he used oh, yes. even... <laughs> That
0: was great writing
1: <laughs> a Progeny uh, I mean, Admittedly, it's not necessarily the Greatness for high fashion look However, Keeley in the moment seems rather Appreciative to have shirtless Jamie and
0: Tells him to settle down Down, settle down Down,
1: down. down boy, down, and offers him a treat Kudos to him that he's very Ooh. receptive To enjoying this treat Yikes uh, we cut to Ted, and Ted, I think, in fairness, is wearing the single most "I'm a coach" suit that yeah. a person could ever get.
0: I'm pretty sure this exact suit was worn by my like high school football coach <laughs> at like the like the awards dinner for the seniors. You know, at the end of the year.
1: I mean, in fairness, it fits. It fits him well. He wears it well. But it's just the most coach colors and coach size tie and everything else
0: which tracks because he on the phone to his wife he actually says hey i brought it that 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 suit you wanted me to bring like i'm wearing so clearly he didn't buy it there
1: and for what is going to be several times over the course of the series he is leaving his wife a message not talking to her directly and we get the very awkward moment of where he starts to say i love you and mid-word corrects himself to miss you
0: I, i miss you yeah that's hard
1: that's painful uh, the busker returns. Clearly he'll not be important at any point in the course of this episode. Never see him again. Th- Ted is, of course, supportive because Ted's supportive of every person in this community. And then Nate walks up wearing, well, it's a suit. How many sizes too big would you say this suit is on a- Nate?
0: About four. About four, it's, probably.
1: It's just hanging it off him. Ted immediately notes this and immediately aims to correct it. Because apparently Nate does not own a suit. Not not that too not that surprising, borrowed it from his dad. Ted, I'm guessing you think, we don't know how Nate actually gets this suit, but do you assume that Ted just bought him one?
0: Yeah, because he says, I got an idea, come with me. I mean that's not that you don't say I got like you don't say, I got an idea, come with me. Oh, by the way, here's the bill. Like that's a thing yeah. you do if you're taking control <laughs> of the situation and you're gonna pony up. For sure,
1: I got a I got an idea. Come with me. Oh, you owe seven hundred dollars. Yeah, no,
0: and you know, you know, Ted paid for it. Of course, he did. He's the one, he probably feels responsible. He he brought Nate to the thing.
1: Yeah, and admittedly, he gets Nate a pretty nice suit. Color's a little bit off for me, but it definitely fits him a lot
0: better. Yeah, it looks it looks pretty good. That's we key see key the, the pl- later,
1: indeed. We see the players now arrive uh, arriving at the gala, and each having their own very much in character, unique responses to the media uh sam is just so happy to be there he's asking everybody's name he's actually chatting with people it's going great jamie well he just thinks that he's too cool shit even for this and just starts doing his very much zoolander modeling poses
0: pouty face can i can i put a pause here and ask you a question please uh i think i know the answer to this probably a dumb question have you ever been to a party that had a red carpet like this
1: god no would okay. be comfortable going.
0: Okay, I've been to one. Um and Where was this? At the Kennedy Center. And it oh, was yeah. extremely weird because you know you have to walk through this the gauntlet, this like area where there's people taking pictures. You know mm-hmm. you have to walk through it to get to the door to get into the event. And you know that they don't care about you at all. Yeah. But you don't know if you should stop or not. It is a right. very, very awkward is this, thing, is, is this and I expected? would pay large, large buckets of money to watch you deal with that social situation. Oh
1: God! I'll tell you what I did. I did
0: a, uh, I did a very, um, like a Vanna White, Queen, Queen Wave, Queen Vanna, Vanna, White. Vanna White Wave, and just kept <laughs> it moving, just didn't
1: stop. Now, you, you want to know my, what my exact response would be? To walk up having no prior notice that that was there, and then stop. Find a back door, even if I have pay a waiter to not have to deal with that situation. <laughs> it's pretty you darn care. It's, I'm
0: avoiding it. It's pretty darn awkward, and the show does a good job of showing just how kind of weird and awkward it is.
1: With relative levels of different awkwardness for different people. Jamie seems like he's just eating it up because it's a tension. Keely jumps onto it too, clearly she's doing well. Rebecca is very, very uncomfortable I feel in bad part. For her. In large part because she's just just a neg- such a negative history with the paparazzi. They've just utterly brutalized her for years and she assumes that anything she represents, they will find something to take down.
0: I also don't think Rebecca thinks that she's a particularly attractive person at this point in her life. She needs to be listening to this podcast. I mean, you've been like talking about how hot she is for like the past three episodes, but it's pretty clear anytime <laughs> the focus is on her looks, she starts to kind of cower and, and, and get upset about it.
1: Which makes it so lucky then that she has somebody on her side of the court here as Keely becomes her best supporter and best front man. Yep. It's just great. It offers her advice, t- t- tells her she looks great, gives her an encouraging wink, and then quickly slips into the other media and just starts yelling out rather lewd compliments. It's great. By the end of it Rebecca is smiling, she's beaming, she's worked out her pose perfectly, she's looking regal. It's become a fun night for her already.
0: And again, establishing that key Lee Rebecca relationship, right? Little moments Wait. where we're we're placing these two characters together, giving them shared history and actually building a relationship that we have buy into as a viewer.
1: Uh, We also, a few minutes later, get uh, Roy's arrival through the red carpet, which, (laughs) if I had more confidence, would be very much my effort there.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, fuck off, fuck off, no. no.
1: (laughs) Very great. Uh, Inside the gala, as you said, Nate is in a much better fitting suit, um, which Keely compliments here in a moment. However, Ted and Rebecca have a chance to admire each other, too, and they both look legitimately appreciative and admiring of each other to a certain degree
0: mm, but the shi- you want to ship them let's ship them
1: the shippers the shippers are happy
0: man i really want like i want these two together but not as bad as i want two other characters together which we'll get to
1: okay um nate is now reintroduced to rebecca for i think the fourth time it's, maybe i
0: love that that running gag. it's almost like south park <laughs> ah the killed Kenny. like every episode it's like who are you again nate it, it, nice to it's meet even
1: you but ba- it's even better too, because he even introduces himself as "It's nice to see you again," to which she responds, "Nice to meet you." Yeah, so funny. Poor Nate. Um, Beard great. and Beard and Jane, his date, show up, who apparently met at chess club.
0: Yep, his chess uh, club that he has every Friday night. By the way, Beard really settling into the new the new ecosystem
1: beard's doing great we've well, we've seen beard show up just drunk off his ass or at least having very long nights before he clearly is already acom- ad- adopting well to the environment
0: mm-hmm. beard um, by the way might have pre-gamed i'm thinking beard may be pre-gamed a little bit
1: Beard definitely pre-gamed by the end of this yeah for sure i it, it hit him a little bit late um ted makes a joke about the two of them liking each other's moves which nate finds hilarious until ted and ted only realizes a second later that it's actually a funny joke uh roy enters And then Roy and Jamie realize that they're at the same table. Ted directly admits to parent trapping them, and even calls it parent trapping. Parent trapping, y'all. Convinces them to sit, pointing out that their confrontations are splitting the locker room, and just like his mother's bathing suit, he wants both parts to be together. Ted just has such a wonderful way of expressing himself for these kind of things. And he asked them to both express what their issues are with each other. Did you know what the, their issues are with each other are?
0: Um, Roy, I, I, did, I actually, my, no, I didn't write him down. I mean, I just said Roy gives angry answer, as does Jamie.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Well said. Yeah, it's it's essentially just that. Where Roy expresses that he's a piece of shit and Jamie expresses that, you know, I if his brain was on fire, I wouldn't piss in his ear. They clearly don't get along well.
0: Like, can we go back to Ted's joke about how he likes his locker rooms? Because I think this is one. Look, this is a lesson out there from Uncle Lee to all the kids. You can mm-hmm. use this one. This is actually a funny joke that we all can recycle. He mm-hmm. said, I like my locker rooms the way I like my mother's bathing suit in one piece. You can do that with anything, right? That, that, that is legitimately clever. Yeah. It, just, yeah you can use just, it all kinds of ways. Yeah, absolutely. We can recycle that one.
1: Uh, Ted expresses they don't need to be best friends. They need to be good teammates. He offers three set exa- three examples, and I'm curious whether you agree with the examples that he offers of people that don't need to be friends but ended up being good teammates. Shaq and Kobe, true, absolutely fair. Uh, Lennon and McCartney, true.
0: Woody and Buzz, maybe true at first. Not in the sequels, but yeah, true, true initially maybe. Yeah, those are yeah. pretty three pretty good solid examples. But, I mean, obviously the, the third one's silly, but like yeah, I mean it, Shaq Kobe. Um, Uh, Paul McCartney John Lennon yeah that's perfect
1: and it's it's interesting too they're good enough examples that everyone at the table kind of nods at them they're kind of like unassailable examples of well I can't dispute this these references so mutual respect is needed they need common ground and he encourages everybody to basically just say something nice about each other that (laughs) most annoying trust exercise that all teams have to do at some point or another okay
0: everybody get quiet at this table we're going to say nice things to each other at that point pause the episode what's the what's the bet that keely's gonna go first it's like what minus a thousand minus two thousand i mean she's it's it's absolutely certain you just teed that ball right up handed her a
1: driver let's go keely i was not expecting her to compliment the person that she did with this and i pre in retrospect i should have that she immediately compliments nate which was well done that was smart nate proceeds to utterly butcher a birthday (laughs) suit joke like there's no identifiable body at the end of this joke. He's so just utterly
0: just what ravages he say. It. He says like, this is only the second suit I've ever owned. The first one was when I was a naked baby
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which it would have been a funny joke. It's so it so much would have been a funny joke that when Ted explains it, the table laughs.
0: Yeah, Ted says, well, turn birthday suit would have helped you out there.
1: And everybody enjoys that Still. No one else offers compliments. Ted recommends drinks. That gets people going.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Higgins shows back up and he's apparently utterly failing on the subject of recruiting musical groups. Soccer. Which, given that they're at the gala, not great. Not, nope. Doesn't doesn't pretend good things. Uh, Ted and Rebecca have a little bit of a talk where Rebecca reveals that she's pretty uncomfortable with her speech. She doesn't seem like a person that regularly engages in much public speaking, nope. uh, but we've seen of her so far. Ted offers what is probably the single best advice I'll ever recommend to somebody when public speaking, self-deprecation. It's a wonderful idea. Work in a few jokes at yourself and everybody loves them.
0: Uh, Close the room. Little more advice here from Uncle Lee. A little bit of that, not a lot of that.
1: Yes. It's, I, it's
0: an, not to make this very fun, fun, serious podcast too, too, too sour, but I've seen especially too many women go very self-deprecating and way too much and basically undercut everything they say. So do a little bit at the top and then get serious and have a little confidence in yourself.
1: Never do it more than a couple times in a speech. Yeah. It's very much a good, it's very much a good opening to get everybody to calm down. Oh, this is okay. I can lower my guard. This is less serious. This is more fun. It's an opener. It's not a recurring motif.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Uh, 10 By the recommends- way, i drinking water. Fizzy water. Just want to point that out. Ted would be Ted. Would and you've not
1: of, spit it out. Not once, spit it Christ. out one
0: time during the recording.
1: Uh, Ted recommends this, to which Rebecca immediately sets him up for failure.
0: So funny because
1: it's like, oh, what would you recommend there, Ted? <laughs> this is, uh, the, I think, the uh, only uh, moment we've uh, seen uh, Ted actually uh, speechless is uh, where uh, he uh, <laughs> he can't think of a way out of this. His brain just blue screens.
0: And you see him do a couple of false starts.
1: Well, there's a... Like, nope, oh, yeah. I, nope, I, I, I
0: nope, thought of
1: something. Nope, even, nope. He even physically comes back after he leaves. Like, I thought of something. Nope. No. Go <laughs> Um, As he's walking back, carrying way too many drinks for the whole table. Yep. He finds Beard and Jane playing chess. How are they playing chess, my friend?
0: In their mind. And you and I quite famously reviewed Netflix's The Queen's Gambit. We became professional uh, chess players. I think our ranking was up over 1,000 at one point. Um, you ever played chess in your head, Spencer? The grandmaster that you are?
1: Maybe about two moves before I lost track of where the pieces were.
0: I couldn't imagine doing this. This seems so hard.
1: It does reflect the very much different thing that Beard brings to the team in their game. That he is the intellectual. He is the mathematician numbers guy. That is not what Ted is. And it's really good that he's got somebody like Beard on his team. To the same degree that Beard is really lucky he's working for Ted.
0: Right, absolutely.
1: Compliment each other well. For sure. Uh, Rebecca, Rebecca starts her speech, and too, I was so happy to see, immediately takes Ted's advice.
0: She does. It's really good, too.
1: And it works. It, me, the room immediately has that kind of polite chuckle mode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. She basically
0: says she's, you know, I would hug you, but I'm as you all know, I'm not much of a hugger. And everybody just kind of laughs. Like, oh, you are a little off-putting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the room responds well. Ted does the big double thum- thumbs up thing. Everybody's yeah, happy. It's pretty great. Uh, they start things off with a gala, t- including what's apparently going to be a bidding on Richmond players, to which some members of the crowd are really happy about that. When, as she's revealing this,
0: is that it, Rupert's music?
1: Yes, yes, it is. Unfortunately, the brown it is. note of a person walks in and immediately commands the room. Heal. He, he's a heel he's an absolute heel the room just starts reverberating around him that's just the gravity of this man and yeah everyone's immediately focused on him he's commanded the room and is never going to give it up and rebecca's just kind of left stranded on the stage as there is now a new MC to this event and she's just kind of you know there
0: and she's got this smile and be like oh i'm so glad you're here when i mean She's not even allowed to be mad at him, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they took that away from her. It's just such bullshit.
1: It, it, I don't think there's a bad actor in the show, but Anthony Head is playing Rupert, uh, which I previously do from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Merlin, and he very effectively gives us a guy you love to hate. For sure. Like, just in a matter of
0: minutes. Then we cut to my favorite the, scene.
1: Uh, yeah, Rebecca weathers it rather well, but she's clearly shook. We cut. To, is this Nate in the bar? Yes, this is my about? favorite scene. <laughs> Please do it. Tell tell us of Nate in the bar.
0: Nate, Nate, casually, my man, Nate the Great, strolls up to the bar. Obviously, just the bar, not the not the placing area where you know the the waiter comes up and grabs drinks. Just obviously the bar, arm on the bar, leans over. Never seen so much confidence from Nate the Great. Grabs a martini. Thanks, doll.
1: Oh man, wing-setter. Nate says thanks,
0: doll. Takes he and a she, drink. And but, she
1: looks She looks like she actually kind of liked that. Like a little, little bit yeah. appreciating the flirting.
0: Got the new suit. All kinds of confidence here me. Looking Nancy fly. Thanks, doll. I think I'll try this drink. I mean, I've had alcoholic drinks before. No problem. It takes um, a big gulp of it. Personally enjoy the idea of someone who is only engaged in a little light casual drinking in their life taking a big gulp of an actual martini. Because that's a different animal. <laughs> Uh, to his credit, he keeps it in long enough that she turns and
1: walks away still with a smile blah, on her face blah, before he just... Blah, blah, blah. You can tell how much he drank, just how much he spits up. That man had... That man needs to learn how to sip his alcoholic beverages.
0: He's used to a beer. He's obviously used to beer. Yeah. And he takes a <laughs> jug of a mart. It's such a funny scene.
1: Uh, it's clearly funny, too, for two people that are looking on, because uh, Isaac and Colin are there to share a bit of a laugh. Now... It's to a credit for the two of them, how far they progressed, that this is a much more friendly laugh. This is a much more, I'm hoping to laugh along with you if you'll join us for this laugh kind of thing. Nate doesn't know that, though. He's working off what he's assumed before, that they're just setting up a new round of bullying, and even asks them not to, to which they kind of both look confused and say, no, we won't. Roy told us not to. With Colin expressing, apparently, after the very severe Roy headbutt that he's still dizzy and is not supposed to drink anymore.
0: Chug. Gulp. Yep. Yeah, Roy Roy laid the smack down. And it worked. Ted's grandmaster plan worked. He didn't step in and stop the bullying. He created a situation where leadership cream had to rise, right? And Roy did it.
1: And it's because of this that the two players don't even feel like they've been, like, you know, scold, scolded or anything. They're just like, well, we just don't do that anymore. The, the, the game has changed. Yep. Back at the table, Jamie spills sauce on himself and proceeds to burn his nipple. The poor boy. As they're commenting on that, an old woman at a nearby table really enjoys watching him wipe the sauce off his nipple.
0: Well, he puts an ice cube on it to try to stop the burning. And she's like, I wish I was that ice cube.
1: (laughs) She's into this. Jamie is so uncomfortable. Is this... this, we see several times here that this is Jamie's first year with the team, and maybe like his first year, like Premier League kind of thing. He's definitely a new yeah. star. Yeah, He's, for he's sure. baffled by what's happening, and has to have he's Keely explain to the him gala to, before. Never been to the gala, particularly has never been bid for before. It has to has, basically Keely try to explain what's happening. Uh, as I think it's Roy basically tells him, if she spends enough money, you are having sex with her. That's just what's happening. Jamie's legitimately concerned, like, he does not have at any point, any frame of reference to know whether he's being messed with or not, so he turns to Keeley to ask whether that's true, to which Keeley says, well, you don't have to have full sex with her, just, you know, a little bit of fingering, it'll be great, it'll be great. I
0: didn't know if you were going to go all the way blue on that one. <laughs> I,
1: I, 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 I toned it down a little, he turns back to Roy, who just does that kind of, like, solemn nod of someone who's been there before, just like, You'll make it through it, champ. You'll make it through it. She's right. And they both keep it in just for enough of a second that you could see Jamie dying inside before they both just split up laughing, happily working together to mess with him. Jamie does not respond well to that, though.
0: No, of course not. He
1: immediately just kind of storms off from the joke. He's very much tired of this.
0: Uh, Got a little little Jim Pam vibes there. You know, they're kind of playing the inside joke, making fun of somebody else in front of them, Uh, starting to ship them a little bit. Does that does that make Jamie Dwight in this particular situation? Yeah, it does. Yeah, or Roy. In so many ways, he might be. Jamie might be Roy. Roy might be Jim. Anyway, it's it's something close,
1: something along those lines. We've got our cast. Uh, Ted asks Roy. Ted sits back down with all the drinks now, with decidedly fewer people at the table to enjoy the drinks, and really goes for a very honed in question of just asking Roy. Okay, Roy, you clearly don't like this little shit, but remind me of something. What were you like at twenty three? Because Roy had referred to Jamie as a little prima donna bitch, and I love Roy because Roy is always immediately willing to concede a good point. We've yep. never seen Roy just needlessly bluster to avoid what is just a logical conclusion or something that is worthy of note. And when Ted points this out, Roy immediately goes, little bit, little prima donna bitch."
0: I was the same thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was. I was exactly the same thing. He just immediately concedes the point. Yep, and so Ted expresses what is a wonderful little philosophical point that I've got to—I have to assume—is going to be on the last lasso wisdom at the end of this. That you know that youth is wasted on the young. Don't let the wisdom of age be wasted on you. And there's a beat as Roy just like, yeah, it's a kind of good point from the American gaffer. Ted walks away and then comes back to say that was a really good point. I'm proud of that. Basically, he <laughs> hadn't even realized how brilliant it was. I just came up with that.
0: Feel pretty good about it. Yeah, that's a great quote. Obviously, it's going to come up later in the episode. Solid, solid quote here from Ted and from the writers for all of us, I say. Indeed. Uh,
1: As Ted walks away and uh, Roy's just kind of left at the table, Nate literally swoops in, just like, right up to Roy and then freezes because he was going in for the hug and really thought better about it at first. Yep. Tells Roy this and then proceeds to just full-on glomp hug him. To which Roy, again to his credit, accepts as well along with the thanks. For very interesting
0: in to-, to me that he accepted the hug for as long as he did. I don't know that there's anybody else on this show he would have accepted the hug for that long because he has been feeling bad for Nate week after week after week with all this bullying. He has a lot of like, like, um, like social capital or whatever built up with Roy.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good call that Nate in particular can get away with this right now. Yeah, because. It, you can you can really tell that Nate logically never would have done this, but is so damn appreciative that yeah. he was just kind of emotionally compelled.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: And Roy recognizes that. Uh we have a bit of a first meeting between Ted and Rupert. Uh they discuss the idea that Rupert still very much views this as his club. hmm Uh they just Ted Doesn't like ex- the last
0: two losses. Doesn't like those at all
1: doesn't like those at all kind of wants to discuss them a little bit uh ted makes a weird comment about well not necessarily weird that yeah he fully understands that you know love of sports teams is like love of your best friend's older sister never really had that for any of my friends growing up but i assume that is a real thing maybe that was gonna
0: be a question i had for you never had a crush on a friend's sister
1: i never had friends with anything other than significantly younger sisters
0: i think you were the guy that everybody had a crush on your sister
1: that, that did happen yes
0: yeah okay all right that's where you are
1: <laughs> yeah that was where I was with respect to that it was annoying um <laughs> So last two losses horrible shame they have a weird moment of where Ted kind of sets up for Rebecca to kind of step in to defend him that you know she believes in him and their cause and Rebecca fully misses his misses her cue I suppose yeah. or just doesn't feel comfortable lying in front of Rupert maybe. Rupert seems exactly, how much, here's a fair question. I, do you think that Rupert is fully honed in as to what Rebecca is doing with respect to Ted? No. You don't think so?
0: No, I think he's, I think he has such a low opinion of Rebecca mm-hmm. that he actually thinks she made this mistake.
1: That, woo that is brutal right there. Because he, he,
0: he, every chance he gets, he shows how little he thinks of her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't Just, imagine he, he he would guess that she'd have some master plan or some strategy behind this.
1: That is a lot of disdain that he has for another human being, if that's the case.
0: It is uh, funny that when Ted sets her up like, you know, hey, hey, like, you know, take up for me, basically. Uh, she misses the beat. I don't think I didn't. My read on that was that she didn't miss the beat because of any... Because she has problems sticking up for Ted, I mean, hell, she she's went in front of a whole press corps and stuck up for him. I think that what we're seeing here is that she is so um, she's just scared in front of Rupert. She yeah, just she she he scares she, her. Yeah, she, I'd almost say she's a, practically cowed by him. She's yeah. act
1: she's not acting the powerful, independent woman that she is around anybody else when she's in his presence. Because yeah, he has that effect on her and other people. It's decided or essentially decided that Rupert's going to lead the auction. Instead of her, for the children, of course. Which we find out later what a horrible loaded phrase that is between the two of them. Well, she uh, actually asked him to do it. She does. Uh, uh, which is a, a bit of a self-deprecation in its own right, because she basically is working on the assumption that everyone would prefer it if he did it.
0: Yeah, I hated to hear that line from her. Mm-hmm.
1: Rupert proceeds to do the most mean thing he does in the course of the entire episode by offering the most backhanded compliment of her dress that he ever possibly could. Referring to it as very youthful and good for you for getting back out there looking like that.
0: Did you catch Ted's face when he said very useful"?
1: Ted almost flinches, like, I could not have heard that right. What? What did you say? (laughs) No one says that to another person. It's a really brutal thing for her to say, but it's just what he runs on. She weathers it the way she always has when it comes to this guy. And walks away, and then Rupert proceeds to ask Ted how she's doing, because he cares. Mm. Uh, Ted proceeds to kind of just brush out the question, and then reveals that they got some problems recruiting a musical group, and Rupert helpfully reveals that, oh, I know Robbie very well. I'll just call him. He'll come right over. No problem at all. At this point, Ted doesn't pick up what that actually implies.
0: Or does he? I think he might.
1: I don't think he's put one and one together now. I think five minutes from now, yes. But I think right now, Ted's just such a good-natured person that someone offers to do something apparently nice, he accepts it at face value without pondering what it actually could mean about how this circumstance developed.
0: I'll run it up the flagpole. Oh, yeah. Oh, that just means I'm my asker.
1: Is that really an Americanism? Yeah, that one not? Damn it, all the hell. Uh, In response to this whole conversation, Gruber walks away. We can see how much Ted was struggling with this of where he asked for... Uh, can I have a double and a single on the rocks, a a triple, if you will?
0: Yeah. Um, during this exchange, um, Rebecca takes a sip of champagne and Rupert says, oh, take it easy on the champagne. You have to do your blah, 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 blah later. Uh, you man and been in a relationship for a long time now. Um, you and your significant other go to a party. She takes a first sip of a drink and you say, Hey, hun, take it easy on that. Uh, how does that go? Uh,
1: In a way that we're going to be talking about it later.
0: (laughs) It is like I, it's, I've seen men do it to women and and I've never seen it happen in a healthy relationship. I'll just say that.
1: No, it's the line you say when you are wanting to start a fight later, it's just, it's needless needling. Um, the auction begins and Jamie is our first player
0: on the block. Jamie Tard, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a somewhat unexpected bidding war starts. Man, can I get a one 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 one? Do you can I get a three 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 four 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 four?
1: Uh, who are our three bidders in this particular war?
0: Well, we've got my favorite uh, party uh, goer, the old lady, who is. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm tell you this: I played uh, high school golf. Um, I've played uh, golf my whole life, mm-hmm. um, and I've actually been lucky enough to go to a lot of very nice country clubs and a lot of nice country club events, just because I know people who golf and whatever. I've seen this lady before. I know this lady, the very rich lady who's drinking like Chardonnay out of a thermos at like 1 PM who shows up to this thing. She's the fun one. Uh, So we have her. Uh, Then we have uh, Keely um, Mm -hmm. that Jamie has, has pushed and pushed into bidding on him, which doesn't make a lick of sense bidding on your own boyfriend, which, which Rupert calls out later. it, 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 He,
1: he tells her to do it because he's he's representing he's uncomfortable with the old lady. As we find out later, he's yep. intentionally trying to create a bidding war for the sake of his own brand.
0: Because he's got another lady there. At the time, yeah. we just think it's some other young, attractive woman. But we and, find and out I'll, later who she is. Yeah, Bex,
1: as we find out her name is later. Oh, the uh, old
0: lady's name? Uh, Cheryl Barnaby. Shout out Cheryl Barnaby. Who apparently,
1: who apparently raises Shetland ponies. Yeah. Good for Cheryl her. Monies. Uh, the bidding war eventually results in Keely spending 25,000 pounds on this man. Keeley got back.
0: That's like $32,000.
1: And it's not the only bid she drops over the course of this episode. She's throwing a lot of money around Of this. Uh, that happens. Keeley's clearly unhappy with what was going down. She really started bidding more because she didn't like the idea that this girl in the green dearest that she did not know was bidding on her man
0: who happens to be a little younger than her again always with the women that there's this like barometer of youth uh it's it's very troubling for our main characters
1: it is the currency they're operating um ted goes to check on rebecca who's outside rickshaws are going by rebecca's looking at them fondly ted immediately tries to just she's looking away from ted that's important Ted just tries to act the way he normally does, discusses the dangers of tandem bikes, because apparently he and his wife almost died on one. And as he's saying this, Rebecca turns around, and he can clearly tell that if she hasn't been crying, she's certainly been on the verge of it for some time.
0: Yeah, he just snaps and goes, are you okay?
1: Yeah, immediately expresses concern. And she represents that more than anyone probably that she's ever known, and particularly in her life right now, Rupert knows how to hurt her with just brutal honesty is a cruel way of hiding his own insecurities as he expresses it and she's listened to him for years and now she's alone you want to hear the quote just th- yeah, please, I, got yeah the whole, quote. I got the whole thing it's such a brutal quote
0: please yeah don't. and it, I, I wrote it down i want to say anybody out there who feels like this um just don't maybe i don't know don't I, we're here I, for I, you I, just you're better than this any every single person is better than ever feeling this way it's pretty brutal here it is He'd say, wear this, eat that. And I listened, but now I'm alone. I'm alone, Ted, just like he said I would be if I left. I don't want to be alone.
1: And she's barely holding back tears when she's saying this. And Ted desperately wants to comfort her, but he's in that moment that I've been in so many times of where someone says that to you. Yeah. And you just don't, you don't, there's no way you can make it better. The nope. only way you can help is exactly what he does of where he just goes right in for a hug. No further comment, nothing else need to be said. Just gives her a hug. She kind of stands there a little bit woodenly for a second, and then she just straight, mm-hmm. full-on arm around. She participates hugs
0: her in the hug, for sure. I think it's the first time she's ever actually hugged Ted.
1: And she clearly appreciates it. Clearly, it helps her a little bit in that moment. What also helps her is what Ted immediately recommends thereafter, is a rickshaw kind of pulls up, and he basically just says, you want to go?
0: Just like, hop on this thing? Get the heck out would, of Dodge? Let's let's just just go.
1: Let's find a different city block and get gone. And she clearly wants to, but she's got obligations. She declines. Um, They discuss the auction and that no matter what Rupert does, they just love him, which that's a common thing in the real world. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I want to say something about this scene, because this is the type of show where you have a through line of a narrative. That is real with characters that feel real, um, with real tension and real problems. And that's how you get bought in emotionally. But there's this over the top slapstick, right? That Mm -hmm. like a character, like Ted says things that you would just never hear people actually say in real life. And oftentimes in this show and other similar shows, you'll have a conversation where, um, a real thing is ha- when I say real, it's something that could happen in your life that you can identify with is happening. But then they throw in the over the top slapstick joke, right? Because it is a sitcom mm-hmm. in this scene. And I'm so glad they did it. They didn't have they didn't give Ted that marching orders. Ted did not do. I mean, the little joke about you want to get on the rickshaw. I mean, that's a joke. you it, or that, I could tell.
1: It's very muted by comparison. Normally, for Ted. absolutely.
0: They don't take you out of the scene with an over the top slapstick thing. And they do that with a lot of scenes. And I think they're trying to tell you that this is very, very important because it, it's starting to establish this baseline of trust between Rebecca and Ted.
1: Yeah, it's a show that, gonna, it's a dramedy. It, it it goes between drama and comedy and does it very adeptly. And moments when you're doing drama well, don't dilute it. Don't do the clown suddenly does up and does funny things. I'm so glad
0: they didn't. I really am.
1: Yeah. Um, Ted heads on back inside, and Rebecca gives him probably the most appreciative look that she's ever given him. This is one of the few times you've ever seen her Happy to see that Ted Lasso was there.
0: I think he just earned his second season right there. I don't think... <laughs> Good call. Right there. Show got renewed for season two right then. Uh, Jamie and Roy are at the bar. And the two of
1: them have another honest talk. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is another... It's not as drama-rich as the last one, but it is very much a serious conversation between these two, at least as serious as it can be. Roy, of course, opens, because he's the by far in many ways more mature of the two. He tells the story about himself coming up, that there was an old geezer on the team who he absolute goddamn hated. Worst guy has been around, they, they utterly, utterly won each other. But they found a way to work together. They found a way to make it work, and then they won the league. Even though they were both pricks, they were able to discuss how they were both pricks. And he recommends that him and Jamie do the same.
0: It's the same shit Yankee Doodle is peddling. <laughs>
1: I love that even when Roy's appreciating what Ted says, he's got to include American put down. It's required. Roy aggressively wants to go first and expresses that Jamie is selfish and arrogant to such a degree that even when he has to pass to him, he wants to puke. Jamie really surprised me with how he does this instead. Yeah. Before he could just send a little flippant line, but instead he goes in for exactly what he needs to for this conversation to work. He says... You know, I had a poster of you on my, on my wall growing up. I loved watching you play. But you are not the player that you used to be. And just because you won a few trophies, you want everybody to kiss your ring and bow down to you. That is honest. That is the exact emotion and feeling they need to express to actually make this work. And I didn't honestly expect Jamie to do that. I continually underestimate Jamie over the course of the series. And this was a big moment of it of... I didn't think he was mature enough to have this conversation.
0: That was going to be my question for the panel, is up until now, Jamie has been introduced to us as almost an irredeemable character, just bad, just a bad guy. Is this the first time where we go, oh, hold on. There's some, it's a small percentage, but there's some level of good in him. And it's spoiler alert. We get more of it in later episodes.
1: It's, it's, it's more complete than we've had before, but the closest I would say is that one moment of when Ted complimented him uh. and he he immediately, we saw a completely different side to his character. We're we're slowly seeing that a lot of what Jamie offers that's utterly irredeemable and despicable and insufferable is a facade over a much better, more complete person. Yep. So he, he expresses this, and Roy, again, it's Roy, he immediately accepts it, just like, yeah, I can be like that. And he kicks it to Jamie to do the same. Jamie, at first, fronts before admitting that what he said was at least a little bit true about him. And so they kind of bond. They kind of actually have at least a moment of detente. I'm not saying that they're they're not going to be best friends, but at least they're, you know, agreeing to use less nuclear weapons in the world kind of thing. It's a hope. Mm -hmm. They even share a laugh over the subject of Doug and Roy dying. It's great. And Ted looks on, knowing that he is once again, his plan is succeeding. Kudos to Ted. Ted and Rupert talk again, and Rupert immediately makes fun of Ted's accent. which him, just Utterly butchered, I think Texan was what he was maybe going for. It's worth a try. He again volunteers to help about Robbie, and then, I think Ted already knew it, but now he just expresses that he knows it. He deduces that, you know, if it was that easy for you to, you know, ask for him to show up, probably would have been just as easy for you to tell him not to attend. To which Rupert doesn't even feel the need to deny that. Just basically just says, "Eh, well, that would make me a huge piece of shit, wouldn't it? And just walks off. Higgins wanders up, useless as always, having found nothing even resembling a replacement other than, I think, an Adele... uh, Yeah, pretty much just an Adele cover singer. That's about it.
0: Yeah, like a cover band type thing. I want to go back to Rupert Mocking Ted. Um, British people everywhere um, who are listening to this um, you don't want to get in a fight with Americans about silly accents. You don't want to pick that battle. If I was 10 yeah. I'd fire right back and be like, listen to you. You sound silly too. You caught the pitch. Like, I mean, you don't, let's not get into that. Come on now.
1: It, one advantage that the, the Brits, I, every Brit I've ever known, is so much more adept at faking an American accent than we are at faking their accents, though. So they do have that slight edge of where they've just got more media exposure to make fun of us, I think.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we, we, we do sort of bombard them with American media. But I'm just saying, you know, there, there's meat on that bone to fire right back at Rupert. Absolutely. Uh, Ted
1: decides to recruit Higgins to, engo- to go on an adventure to presumably solve the problem of a lack of a band. And yeah, they says, head off. Ted <laughs> Rupert is a wonderful follower, not a great leader. Uh, Rebecca and Keely are now talking in the bathroom. Uh, Rebecca takes the time to thank Keely for helping with the red car- carpet photos. Tells her it was it was some really kind of sad thank you of it's the first time I've enjoyed looking at myself in a long
0: time or something like that. Not mm-hmm. a, lot a of really some... really gut wrenching moments here from Rebecca in this episode.
1: What was it you said earlier about ladies stop it with the self deprecation?
0: Yes. C- could you please repeat this now for Rebecca? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I also want to yeah. I see it a lot. I mean, I don't mean to be like, I'm not trying to like throw everybody uh, no, in one category. I've just seen it a too, yeah. lot with women and it just drives me crazy. Like, just don't beat yourself up in conversation. Like, um, I see it a lot in business too. Women will come into a meeting yeah. and immediately say, well, this isn't my best and I didn't do a good, no, no, don't do that. Just, you know, have some confidence in yourself. Um, cause you should, right. Everybody has value. Okay. I do want to point out one small thing I noticed between the sexes here, since I'm just going down that rabbit place. Um, keely says to rebecca can i have a sip of your drink i've seen this happen with women where they just very casually can i can i try that can i have a sip of your drink spencer if me and you are sitting around at a bar and you order a drink and I, hey man can i have some of that
1: my exact response is i'll buy you one yeah it would be She's so like, weird no. right?
0: <laughs> and it's so casually done rebecca doesn't think anything I'm, of it she has the one sip it's normal i'd never see that between me and my male friends no,
1: we don't do that. It's like, no, you have your drink. I've got mine and we're talking. This is what we're doing now. Did you not get the memo? <laughs> um, Rebecca tells her that the, uh, Rebecca identifies who the other girl with the bidding was because Keeley did not know. Ooh. It's Jamie's other plus one.
0: Other plus one. Just think of the phrase other. Pl- There's no such thing. It's a plus one, um, Smith. I feel like I'm doing a Seinfeld bit now. It's a plus one. You can't do more than a plus one. But come on. Other plus one? Oh, come
1: on, Jim. It feels like a particularly painful phrase coming from Rebecca, because you got to believe Rupert had his share of other plus ones over the years.
0: Yeah. Probably, true. She probably knows probably, about the other plus one very well.
1: Probably a lot more discreetly, but still. Keely, as you said, ask for a sip of the drink. Which, is it? Is it some other kind of martini? There are olives I saw, but I couldn't really identify it.
0: Yeah, it looked like a martini, for sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, which, of course, Keeley being Keely, comments oh, on that she always hated olives and the weird orange clitoris things.
0: Didn't know if you were going to go for it.
1: <laughs> I, I'm here for you. Uh-oh. Uh, Rebe- Keeley enjoys the sip and leaves. Rebecca just, again, just kind of beams, smiling after, just kind of chuckling. She clearly still doesn't really know what to make of Keely, but she's starting to really enjoy her. I think they are, like,
0: as, I think it's as close to a friend as Rebecca has right now.
1: Particularly by the end of this episode. The end of this episode confirms it. Uh, as part of this conversation, they really discuss that, you know, Keely's really kind of coming to terms with the fact about her own maturity and her own things that she wants, of where she's always been dating footballers. When she was 18, she was dating a 23-year-old footballer. Now she's 30 and, again, dating a 23-year-old footballer. She makes a joke that she's Leonardo DiCaprio, which, God, that's a very on-point joke right there.
0: Do you think she's 30?
1: Uh, the way she said it, 32. I uh, think yeah, she's 32,
0: 33. Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah. But, you know, still, she looks great. So, don't...
0: Well, obviously. Uh, I mean, she just made a barrel of money shilling crappy caffeinated vodka as a lion.
1: <laughs> Somebody's buying it, apparently. Uh, but, you know, she says that footballers, they're fun. They're simple. They're rich. They're fit. And Rebecca points out a key detail that, that clearly Keeley's not really pondered before. Are they accountable for their mistakes? Keeley has no response to that one. And Rebecca reveals that Rupert never was. In the entirety of their relationship, their years together, he never was that. And how important a detail that was. And the two of them separate. and Yeah. Uh, Keely starts talking a little bit with, well, beyond that. Roy Kent's now up on the auction block. Uh, he clearly is uncomfortable to be there. He immediately tries to poo-poo pretty much everything Rupert says about what being on the auction block actually portends. And another bidding war starts uh, between the, the lovely Shetland pony breeder and Keeley for the specific purpose of getting Jamie jealous.
0: Yeah, it's because, I mean, Keeley kind of questions about the other girl, right? And yeah. and Jamie's like, look, it's part of the brand. It makes it's me branding. look cool. Like, don't even worry about it. Keely doesn't say much to that. But then Jamie takes it a step too far and goes, you know, you looked really cute when you were jealous. Yeah, And oh, she jealous. goes, oh, jealousy. You like jealous. jealousy, huh? How about this?
1: Start throwing it back in his face. Immediately, Roy looks uncomfortable with this. He just wanted to get this done as fast as possible. He didn't want to look like a piece of meat up on the stage. But now they're throwing out multi-thousand dollar figures for this purpose. The other person that looks really uncomfortable with this, though, is Jamie. Doesn't like that Keeley's doing this. Nope. And eventually he offers something resembling an apology to her, to which Keeley just kind of storms out, leaves angry. Stops the
0: bidding and old lady wins. So old lady got away.
1: You know, I'm sure Roy's going to give her a fun night. Uh, The auction ends. Everything's wrapping up. Gala's gone great. but Rupert's not done yet. The event has nowhere near enough been enough about him yet. And proceeds to essentially, what do you think? He's just doubling the total proceeds by offering a million pounds on top of whatever they previously collected.
0: Well, it, it, he actually says how much of a dick he is here, right? Because he says, "I'm donating one million pounds." Got and the we- check right there, and that I think, I think that gets her over her goal of eight hundred thousand. I mean, he, it's he has a goal of eight hundred thousand. He gives a million.
1: I mean, Absolute it's just unit. such a. Just, Such a dick It's the worst And he gets a standing ovation for it too The crowd eats it up It's for the children And he physically delivers the check Even with the line for the children to Rebecca Before immediately going over to say hi to Bex Mm -hmm. Like in view, right there Now, it's time for the musical guest And Ted and Higgins have got somebody Who do they have?
0: Cam The The student performer
1: They have Cam Cole, which did you know that Cam Cole is actually playing Cam Cole? No, this is Cam Cole as himself playing his own song, "Mama." Oh, that's solid. All right, I like yeah. it. He, he's he's apparently a professional street performer. He's a busker. He also has gotten enough popularity now, just roaming around the streets of London, that he actually is now selling albums too. Oh. But this was a big part of his just like popular consciousness kind of moment.
0: Wow, a little inside the inside the Beltway there. I like that, Spencer.
1: Yeah, and they offer him. He's not much one for presentation for particularly this kind of black tie event. Rebecca's kind of flabbergasted and thinks they're insane, but having no better option, she goes up to introduce him. Offers what is literally a half-hearted introduction because she just introduces him as Cam somebody. And they proceed to let him go. If I was to ask you to say on a scale of 10 how effectively Cam Cole works this crowd and how well he does in terms of his performance... What would you score it?
0: Uh, solid fourteen. He's a. It is a monster home run. That uh, that ball is in the parking lot. I mean, he just wailed it.
1: Within seconds of starting his guitar riff, the crowd is in. Everyone's nodding along. I love the cuts they do to our three our three main heroes: Rebecca, Ted, and Higgins. To just see their reactions to it. Of where the moment he starts playing, and all the crowd's jamming. They cut back to them. And all three of them are nodding and all at the same pace, but with completely different expressions on their faces. Of where Higgins is just grooving. This man loves music. Go, he loves to party. Go, he's
0: Art Higgins. Go Higgins. Man, that actor really, when they give him, they obviously know that he's a good physical actor. Because this yeah. is twice now where they've given him a chance to just boogie. And he crushes it.
1: He goes nuts over the course of this performance. Ted in the middle, just looking sp- I wouldn't say smug, but there's an element of smug where, yep, this is exactly what I knew would happen. Ted liked
0: in a lot of W's this episode.
1: Oh, yeah. Ted's going to be on our top 10 list. He has to be. Uh, meanwhile, Rebecca has a look of just narrow eyed, I don't understand what's happening right now kind of thing, while still nodding along to the beat. It's yep. great. Mm-hmm. Cam Cole, knocked, as you said, just it utterly knocks it out the The crowd loves it. Everybody's shocked. Everybody's dancing. Everyone's having a blast. Higgins just first and foremost. He's at the front of the crowd having a Crush blast. It. Meanwhile, we have several events that are happening during while this is going on. One, Beard utterly bombing with his date because apparently he's too competitive to ever turn it off.
0: Yeah, she wants to go dance, and he's just like queen to work for. Like he continues okay. playing the game. Yeah,
1: yeah, he has to win before you do it. So the date just not in. Well, Higgins, the party animal, Jamie. Just walks out. All right.
0: Beard uh, does start a mosh pit. I don't know if you noticed that.
1: He does. He just jumps right out there. Which I, I, we've not really seen him drinking much during the day. But he said maybe he pre-gamed all the shit what he, right, right before he came.
0: Very aggressive head butting or head nodding or whatever.
1: Uh, Nate is not dancing. He's sitting at the table, but he's still having fun. Yeah, sure. And Kim Cole ends his performance with a smile on his own face and Rebecca with one of the biggest smiles we've ever seen on her as well. Because everything really went kind of well in it the went
0: end. Well. It went well.
1: The end of the night, Rupert comes over to say goodnight and immediately leaves with Bex because he's found a new girl who's also just happens to be named Rebecca just to make it fun. Uh, Ted offers one of the nicest things that he said to Rebecca over the course of this entire series, of where he comes up to her and says, you know, you're not the only one to seize that man for who he is. Mm -hmm. And when he says this, Rebecca looks legitimately caught off guard, as if no one has ever said that to her before. And is immediately thankful as well. Beard is clearly in pain, as he just kind of stumbles off, heading in an opposite direction, and Ted runs to go after him. Uh, Jamie and Keeley have a bit of a talk of where Jamie continues to Could we even call this half-hearted apologies when it comes to her?
0: 8th hearted It's very, (laughs) very, (laughs) very passe.
1: Particularly since he doesn't know what he's apologizing for.
0: Nope. Could you even ask him that? Do you know what you're sorry for, Jamie?
1: (laughs) Roy comes over to confront Keely and does so in the most straightforward Roy way possible where I don't appreciate using me as a prop. It made it made me feel. Well, I don't remember the exact words he, is, he says.
0: He Do me, me it, a favor, don't hmm. use me as a prop in your little fights. You made me feel like an idiot up there.
1: Yeah, and he says that. What this doesn't really raise his voice, doesn't yell at her. Just says it very forcefully, and she immediately takes it, realizes that she hurt him, and sincerely apologizes. And when she does that, without missing a beat, he just accepts it. Thank you. It's two adults having a conversation right
0: there. I was, I'm so glad you put it that way. It was like, hey. Jamie, here is your, you are at the adults like zoo right now. Like you can watch the, watch (laughs) the adults in the wild. Like, here you go. Here's your your adult 101 for you. Just such an adult conversation. And and both of them, both of them can seem like kind of like, I'm talking about Keely and Roy. They can be petty with other people and Mm -hmm. they can be juvenile with other people, but they have such a respect. I mean, I don't know, respect, Mm -hmm. eh, whatever it is for each other, that they, they take a different tone when they're interacting with each other. It's very right. enjoyable.
1: And they're also both adults enough that they are capable of being respectful when they need to be or to people that deserve it. They can turn it on and turn it off. They have that ability. Yep. Jamie doesn't, at least isn't fully there yet. And immediately kind of goes into Keith about why did you just apologize to him? To which she says, well, being accountable matters. To which Jamie literally laughs that off. And Keely, seeing everything Rebecca just told her play out right in front of her, immediately breaks up with him. Just, we're done. See you later. He just kind of I does the physical equivalent of doing a whatever and wanders off.
0: I think he says whatever in the uh, he background.
1: A, I think you're right. I think he does a, that kind of noise yeah. and does whatever as he walks away. She dives over the bar and double fists two champagne bottles.
0: OK, another another lesson here from Uncle Lee out to the kids. If you are ever at a catered party and you were there at the end, you probably can swipe the alcohol because they this is not fans. a bar. this is not a bar. This is a catered event where everything has been pre-purchased. So yeah. just snatch just snatch it. Just take it. Keely, yeah. veteran move there by Keeley.
1: It's such a wonderful call. At a catered event, wait to the end. You will get free stuff.
0: Absolutely. Just take whatever's they, there. But pile plates, take bottles, whatever. It's all, all prepaid.
1: Effectively, you're saving them money from having to haul the stuff away. Um, She immediately goes over to Rebecca with both champagne bottles and says, you know, What are you to get drunk? <laughs> Not Mr. Meat. Yes. Two of them at the end of the episode, in one of the happiest moments for both me and them, in that Rickshaw together that you saw earlier, happily enjoying a couple of bottles. Clearly best of friends now. They've completed their arc.
0: Having a grand old time.
1: Meanwhile, um
0: You got you got Ted yeah, and you've okay. got Beard. And uh poor Beard is walking, struggling. I did it again. Maybe quote of the episode here from Ted. Put the dame before put the game before the dame, huh? <laughs> Mm-hmm. So apparently, accepts it. and and by the way, through the tone of the conversation, they're saying I did it again. And Ted, when he says They've I did it, it again, lot. Ted knows exactly what he meant. So we're again a little bit of peeling the onion back on Beard. Beard is so mm-hmm. hyper competitive; it has just messed up multiple relationships for him. Which is the complete
1: opposite with Ted, and we have that kind of set up a little bit in this conversation too. Because as they're talking about that, they're also talking about that Ted's wife and son are coming to visit for the weekend. We'll get to see how complete opposite that is here in a moment. Um, we end, as the two of them are talking and wandering off, we get to see Rebecca and Keeley going off at a rickshaw. And we end with the Robbie Williams song. Robbie Williams and Kylie Minogue, this is their song, Kids, which even includes the line for the kids repeatedly in the lyrics.
0: I'm sure they're great. quite good.
1: They're not like a regular band, dude. They're two separate performers,
0: but oh, yes, they're both yeah, great. Okay. Well, then I'm sure they're individually quite good. We are going
1: to fix this on YouTube later. Um, Okay. I
0: think you wrapped up the recap, Spencer. I have. Let's go into our next segment. I like it. Thank you for the recap. Bang up job there from Spencer for the recap of episode four. Uh, As you pointed out, Spencer, what a phenomenal episode. I love when they take our characters and they put them somewhere else. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just a treasure Uh, every time I see it in a sitcom. And when I knew that's what they were doing with this episode, I was immediately locked in. Um, So it was a, I would say it's a very different episode from what we get mostly through the season, right? Most of the time they're in the locker room, they're on the pitch, they're doing that sort of stuff. Uh, But I absolutely appreciated it. This Um, this, this is also
1: one of the episodes that proved to me that this is indeed by the same guy who did Scrubs because moments of Scrubs is a funny comedy. The moments I loved though, were the moments of serious drama between characters that I've come to care about. And this is one of the first episodes where we really got to see that, oh yeah, they're comfortable doing that. We're going we're, we're to see a lot of those of, we're invested in these characters, let's have two adults talk for a little bit about something serious and not feel the need to throw in a fart joke.
0: I'm, I'm not even sure great. Scrubs was a comedy. Like, Scrubs might have been a drama first, comedy second.
1: Y- Scrubs, yeah, was very much back half mash kind of style. This show, I think, is more leaning towards the first half, but it's very comfortable exploring both.
0: Okay, let's go to train wreck of the episode. Uh, I want to I want to front load it before we do sports okay. in the top ten. I want to do train wreck of the episode. Why? Because it fits in with a lot of the complaints, uh, a lot of the things we've been saying throughout your recap. And I would like to go first. I will nominate. Please train wreck of the episode. Train wreck of the episode. Very a, a huge contrast to previous episodes. Put a, put a big spotlight on it. Very much is not Ted. Mm-hmm. Ted is absolutely not the train wreck of oh, the episode. He's, he's, he ab- absolutely. Pff, W after W Ted is getting Uh poor beard might be an honorable mention candidate here. Uh mm-hmm. tough episode for my main man. Beard ends up, I think pretty wasted. Um, and without sans girlfriend, I will say my nominee for train wreck of the episode is one Richmond's own Jamie Tart.
1: I think that's fair. Even though we got to see that he's capable of maturity, it's still just a capability that's not really, you know, executing in
0: the real world
1: yet. He loses a lot and flashes his ass in a lot of ways.
0: Loses Keeley. And I'm not saying that they have like the romance of the century, but I will say that Keeley was probably very important for his career.
1: I think she was very important for his career and also probably very important for his ultimate character growth. And he dropped her as if she was nothing. <laughs>
0: I'm getting uh, serious, serious Jim Pam vibes, though, from Keely and Roy. I mean, I think we these two, uh, the will they, won't they, the dance around. I mean, that look that they share after um, basically when Jamie's like, oh, well, no one was bidding on you anyway, mate. Just fuck off. After Keely and, and Roy have that exchange,
1: mm.
0: Keely and Roy look at each other and it is like, woo, woo.
1: There are volumes spoken in other silence.
0: <laughs> Man, I'm really rooting for those two. All right, so you cool with that avoiding train wreck of the episode to Jamie T? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll 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 fully embrace your honorable mention and for my for my nominee Beard has a rough damn day. Maybe the worst, rough roughest day we've seen for Beard in a lot of ways, and apparently it's a recurring problem too. So,
0: yeah, Beard's got Beard has some issues he needs to work through. Put the game before the dame. Can't do that. Can't put the game before the dame. Okay, let's go into our Sports Center top ten. Uh, I'll leave I'll leave it off here. Um, So our man Nate said he was an understudy. um, uh, (laughs) You stole um, my first Nate deserves this on West Side Story uh, for the role Anita Anita in West Side Story the movie was played by Rita Marino. It is a mm-hmm. Puerto Rican immigrant. She's the girlfriend of Bernardo. He's, uh, uh, he's one of the guys who died um, in, the, in the scuffle. Yeah, Mar- Maria's brother. Yeah, and a close friend and confidant to the sister Maria. Anita's character is based loosely on Juliet Nurse uh, in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. The nurse lived in the house of Capulet and was Juliet's maidservant and closest friend and one of the few people who knew about Julia's, Juliet's secret marriage to Romeo. So there you go. Actually, a Romeo and Juliet tie-in to our boy, Nate the Great. Who saw that coming? And for those, of, for those
1: of us that have only seen West Side Story and not read Romeo and Juliet, the nurse has decidedly fewer epic dance roles or epic dance scenes in her version as compared to West Side Story. So don't be disappointed if you, do, if you explore that after the fact. Um, I'm going to do a bit of a mixed one for my, my first one I offer. Rebecca both has some of the worst moments, some of the lowest lows, and the highest highs in this episode. But she does one key thing that she hasn't done previously that I think deserves mention on the on Sports that are Top 10. Okay. She starts talking to people about how she feels and looking for emotional support. From both Beard, from Keely, she expresses when she's feeling rough, she expresses when she's feeling low, and she has people to help her get out of it. And she's willing to take their advice, willing to take their support, and even talk to them too about their own problems. That is a hell of a lot of character growth compared to where where we've seen her suffering in silence with a big pile of tabloids previously. So I think she absolutely deserves, particularly while she ends up with a legitimate friend, how far she comes even just over this one episode.
0: I feel like they set up Rebecca with this huge guard, this big wall in front of her. And they mm-hmm. established that big, thick, firm wall. That's who she is. She doesn't want anybody else in it. And then the show commences to taking a hammer and chisel to that wall. Every single episode, we get a little bit more, a little bit more. And this was a big dent in it, right? Because this one is Absolutely. where she actually starts creating those personal relationships with folks. I mean, we even, we saw a hint of it, I think in that scene where my main, my, my main man or main girl, Keely, uh, God, she's so great. Just pulls up. Pff, and her panda um and you know she's like oh well i'm too good for it and then she breaks and has that conversation i think that's a sort of precursor to what we get in this episode which is where she starts to drop that veneer uh that big wall in front of her to get chiseled down and oh yeah she's creating personal connections and i'm rooting for her and dad by the way i'm not gonna drop that one that's another <laughs> character two more characters i'm I, I
1: am so happy i taught you what shipping was that now you were just fully embracing the concept
0: chipping the hell out of this episode okay to me um, okay, my my home girl, uh, the MVP of the party, uh, the old lady who was obviously <laughs> wasted and bidding on everybody. She breeds Shetland ponies. Spencer, do you know what Shetland ponies are? The tiny little ponies that are so adorable. Scottish breed of pony originating in the Shetland Isles in the north of Scotland. It may stand up to 107 centimeters. That's 42 inches stateside. In the withers, it has a heavy coat and short legs. is strong for its size and is used for riding, driving, and pack purposes. And if you want a good giggle, um, I would uh, i would tell you to Google uh, riding Shetland pony and look at uh, pictures of grown men riding these teeny little ponies because they, the, are, they are plentiful. They are,
1: they're not riding ponies. They'll work for you. You don't ride the things.
0: There's a lot of pictures of people riding these things, and they look absolutely <laughs> stupid doing so. Uh, so I yeah, probably, that's a good Google uh, Google spiral for you if you want to take it. But that, there you go, Shetland Pony.
1: I, I'm going to pick low-hanging fruit for mine. Ted and his plans. Dude, how many Ws? How many Ws does this man get in the course of one episode? Uh, how many just up. straight-up, uncontested, knockout wins does he have?
0: I'd say, I mean, he's fanning them. He's a fan of him. It's like uh, probably like 12 strikeouts here.
1: It's nuts how successful this guy is. And he gets opportunities to see people react to it too. So yeah, he does not have a loss this episode. He sets up at the end that the man's going to have a massive loss here in a bit. That's fair. They're barely even. Well, I'm not even sure we can really call that foreshadowing. That's just almost straight up just said that, hey, the wife and son are coming. That clearly is not going to work out. That clearly may not work out well, but at least for this episode, it's all coming up, ten.
0: Okay. Um, do you have any more, or can we wrap up with number 10? Let's wrap up there. All right. Number 10, I've referenced this before, uh, but I'm going to establish it now because I put it in the Sports Center Top 10. It is now official canon of the Lasso Lowdown, and that is Keely, Roy, the Jim, Pam. Of Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. It will be something I will be watching very, very closely in future episodes and future seasons is the Keeley Roy relationship. They've established these two characters as people who are not supposed to be together based on where we start in episode one. Very much like Jim Pan, right? They're not supposed to be together. They have different paths, different trajectories, but they just connect. Every scene we get of the two of them together, they connect in some way. And I am, as much as I like the idea of Ted and Rebecca, my number one with a bullet couple that I'm rooting for here on Ted Lasso is Keeley and Roy.
1: You know, I was really hopeful that you would get fully behind Nate and bartender, bartender number four. But I understand that you're going in a different direction. Thanks, doll.
0: Get it, <laughs> Nate
1: man did well that was almost love
0: oh he's so good oh if we could all just be like nate okay are you ready to wrap up this glorious episode of ted lasso with ted's life lessons
1: i am ready to have uncle lee come down from the mountain and guide me on my future endeavors
0: here you go folks these are ted life lessons if you're joining us for the first time here on the lasso lowdown if you're expecting comedy you're probably not going to get it because these are actual life lessons that i try to pull from the episode because at its core, this is a good show. It's about good people, and it's supposed to leave you feeling uplifted and feel a little bit better about the world. Uh, so that's what we do here on the Lasso Lowdown. These are Ted's life lessons. Number one, <laughs> not a surprise, Spencer. You knew this one. You you can't you, you read it. Uh, you already talked about it. Quote, you know how they say youth is wasted on the young? I say, don't let the wisdom of age be wasted on you. I don't even have anything to add to that. That's just Ted's life lessons straight from the horse's mouth. Have you
1: ever had that kind of moment of where you just were off the cuff, just said something. And like five minutes later, you realize, oh my God, that was brilliant. Dude, did, I do it did every some, podcast. Did someone write that
0: down? Are you listening? I do it all the time on this podcast.
1: <laughs> you keep believing that. What's your next <laughs> one you want to do? <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, no, but that's a really good one. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, obviously, look, I. It says what it is, right? I mean, don't, you know, let your experience work for you, folks. Like, right. you know, use that experience and let it guide you and make you better and make you better than you used to be when you were young. And I think that quote sums it up perfectly.
1: Right. Don't be afraid to be the adult. You have that advantage.
0: Okay. Number two. And I am, uh, again, I don't know why I'm doing this, this episode so much. I'm kind of talking to the ladies out here. Although I guess, I guess it, it it's for anyone, regardless of, uh, of gender, but if you like a piece of clothing, wear it. Yeah, It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you think about who should be wearing that piece of clothes. If you like it, if it makes you feel good to put it on, wear it. Life is too short. Plus, fashion is all about confidence.
1: I really do like how what some of the commentary this show has about the subject of gender and how various genders are judged for different things. Of where yeah. Rebecca did nothing wrong. She was the one that was cheated on. She was the one that was had her heart broken. Wor- Wrecked that was at her trust abused by this man, and he's just waltzing through life. Everybody loves him like he did nothing wrong. Oh, he's just the playboy; he can't help it. While she's just brutalized by the media constantly, picked apart in every single detailed way. The show is focusing a spotlight on that, and it's a good call that they do so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, there you go. If you like a piece of clothing, wear it. And yeah, and I'm you know I kind of struggle with this because the show really does draw some distinctions about gender and how people are treated. Yeah. Uh, as different genders and th- so then it causes me to have to talk about gender and i always feel like i'm talking too broad a stroke so I, i'm not doing to a i don't mean to offend apo- anybody when i'm i'm talking mm-hmm. about gender that way i just feel like the show sort of um generates that conversation because of the distinctions yeah. they draw uh and what we're seeing on the screen so we'll go with number three second to last one i got four this week number three ted's life lessons the person you like to talk to the most is usually the person you should be hanging out with Mm-hmm. it works for friendships mm-hmm. it works for romance it works for just office buddies the person that you like to talk to the most you should usually be hanging out with and that is straight from the keely and roy uh plot line. because it seems like every scene they're in they find a way to talk to each other because they seem to enjoy it
1: yeah between keely and roy between keely and rebecca between keely and basically everybody keely really just gets along with everybody it's great uh But I think Keely ending up with Rebecca in the rickshaw and Ted and Beard walking off together kind of summarizes what are going to be the really close friendships of the show.
0: Yeah. So it works. It works across the board. Uh, And number four, wrapping up Ted's life lessons of the week for episode four of Ted Lasso. Don't assume everybody thinks the same as you. And that's about your key here. And that's about yourself and about others. So how you view yourself and how you view other people don't always assume everybody thinks the same of you uh, as you. And, and, and of course, I'm talking about Rebecca here, right? Because, Rebecca, I, I, you know, we have this great quote from Ted where Ted is like basically, hey, you think you're the only person who can see what Rupert is, but you're not. We all see it, too. But I think implicit in that statement is also, you know, you, Rebecca, you think you are a certain way, but you're not. You know, I think there's part of that going on too, where she views herself as too old, tired. You know, the the thrown aside divorcee that everybody just craps on in the media. And I don't think that people see her that way, especially Ted. So there you go. Don't assume everybody thinks the same as you do about yourself.
1: I think it also ties back into one of the lines that she offered earlier when she was being feeling the most pain, where she desperately doesn't want to feel alone. And that line was kind of reminding her that you're really only you're really only alone to yourself. You're not alone. You're with you. You've got people that feel the same way you do. You have people that care about you. You're only,
0: at this point, you're alone only in your own mind. Absolutely. And there we go. Wrapping up Ted's Life Lessons of the week. I think we have finished up everything that was on the docket here for episode four of Ted Lasso. Spencer, any uh, parting thoughts you have about this episode as we move forward and go, uh, go into episode five and the rest of the season? We're reaching the stage of
1: where it's been long enough since I rewatched this. I have no memory at all what the next episode is.
0: Yeah, I don't either, which is the, which is great. Uh, I, don't re- I don't really know what's going directly in the next episode. I do kind of have, a, obviously, a sense of where it's going for the rest of the season. And I can tell you, if you've not watched the season before, if you are watching week by week with us, you are not going to be disappointed. Spencer, anything else you want to say for us sign off?
1: I'm looking forward to the next episode, man.
0: Yeah, me too. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you all for joining us here on the Lasso Lowdown. Again, reminder, this is a Mangum Talks podcast. You can check out all of our podcasts at MangumTalks.com or you can just go to whatever podcast platform that you use, type in Mangum Talks, and bam, you'll get all of our podcasts. Uh, I do this here with Spencer. We also do uh, a variety of other podcasts where we talk about a variety of other things. So Check those out. We enjoy doing them. Thank you for joining us here on The Lasso Lowdown. If you are enjoying it, please subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you use. That stuff matters. We really appreciate it. And we'd like to hear from you. Until next time, everybody.